I'm Stephen, he's Chris, and this is Mobile Arcade Club, a show where we take a look at games from Apple Arcade each episode and talk about what works, what doesn't, and hopefully let you know if it's something you might want to try. On this episode, Chris makes some friends in the neighbourhood of Simon's Cat Storytime, and I test my medal against the hordes of Survival Z. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Mobile Arcade Club. Today we are sussing out Simon's Cat and Survival Z, but we'll get straight into Simon's Cat by Tactile Games, who are based in Copenhagen. Uh, and this is one that I played uh, out of the two of us, and I, I must say I was quite impressed by what I experienced. It's essentially a, a match three puzzle game. So think of, you know, the popular likes of Candy Crush and, and those sort of games that are still going extremely strongly these days, uh, where you aim to line up matching colors of blocks, uh, to clear, clear space. And the more that you line up, uh, you, you know, smash out more uh, more surrounding blocks or create uh, further power-ups such as power-ups that sort of remove a whole line vertically or horizontally of, of blocks and also uh, other nifty little power-ups along the way uh, depending on you know how many you you match up so uh, you know obviously matching three of a color will eliminate those three but if you match up you know four five six seven however many more uh, it'll correspond to how you know powerful the resulting power up will be so obviously in your interest to try and uh, match up as many in the one move as possible but the the whole concept around it uh, being simon's cat is that it's based on a popular animated web series and i will admit i wasn't actually familiar with this series before but through the game i'm somewhat of a mind to go check out the the series because it's it's very very charming it seems dare i say a little bit um uh, a little bit British in its in its sort of quirky <laughs> humour, which translates quite well to us Australians because we've got a very similar sense of humour. Yeah, we uh, do. And it's yeah, just a very lovely, sweet, charming game. Following this uh, this character Simon and his oh, would you believe it, his cat? Wow, and amazing! Yeah, what's a what a what a concept considering the name, but uh, yeah, it's it's really really sweet and charming, and the whole the whole concept in uh, this particular game is that you are trying to, well, trying to renovate and hack at uh, what has been a long neglected backyard, uh, which has been totally overgrown with weeds and, and plants that have just got totally out of control and you end up befriending a new neighbour who has moved in who she has a cat of her own. So you get to you know meet them and they offer to help you know renovate this mess of a backyard of yours. Uh, and as is the case with uh, a lot of puzzle games at the moment that are quite popular on mobile, is pretty well every story beat is punctuated with a puzzle. So in order to complete uh, a little story beat, whether it be uh, you know fixing up a, a birdhouse or a, a structure in your backyard that has completely fallen over and presented a, a bit of a hazard to your poor cat, which we can't have that. No, we cannot. Um, no, no, the cat deserves all the good things in the world. We must protect so, them. 
Yes, absolutely. So with, uh, yeah, with that to successfully or not that you can unsuccessfully, you know, attempt to build the birdhouse and it fall over again. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you need to complete a puzzle and you'll get, uh, an amount of stars, you know, up to three stars, uh, that go towards, you know, performing a particular you know, action, whatever it is. Uh, and, you know, by successfully completing puzzles and, you know, progressing through, you, you know, end up beautifying your backyard and progressing through this you know, lovely, charming little story. And I found that its story uh, bears somewhat of a similar theme to that of Sneaky Sasquatch, which we sussed out quite some time ago. And Gosh, it does that remind might have been me in I'm... our very first episode even. Yeah, goodness. I I think you might be right. It's one of one of our very early ones and it's had a lot of updates since of, you know, got to get back and check that out because I know it's had some pretty significant updates since. Mm. But the similarity that Sneaky Sasquatch shares with Simon's Cat is that of a very uh, community-centric narrative. So there's sort of disused land nearby where Simon and his uh, new neighbour lives and there's uh, there's some developers who are keen to uh, this is of the the land developers not of the game developers variety <laughs> of course. Uh, i don't know i don't know too many game developers who wield bulldozers but uh, you never know <laughs> you know there could be moonlighters out there who do do both Maybe it is multi-skilled. It's entirely possible. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, that's where, um, yeah, there's some uh, land developers who are keen to repurpose nearby uh, natural land uh, to sort of, you know, for their own gain, for profit and that sort of stuff, as opposed to letting it remain as as lovely nature. And, yeah, it's about community banding together to sort of, you know, save uh, the nature around them instead of uh, losing it uh, in favour of, um, you know, uh, sort of corporate greed, I suppose, which is a is a message I can certainly get behind. And it's it's interesting that there's a, you know, more than, more than one Apple Arcade game with a, a sort of similar theme. So I wonder whether, um, whether secretly Apple are, uh, you know, sending messages that they're secret comrades <laughs> of sort. <laughs> Hmm, yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but it is very no. nice to see these kinds of themes on here. I think it's, yeah, I'm really, really interested in, and it kind of makes me interested to play it, with how progress is kind of, it looks like it's shown in how you sort of beautify a place. You can actually see some tangible, you know, you've progressed the story, progressed through things enough, and now you can see this once old sort of derelict backyard is now beautiful and full of flowers and well-tended grass and things like that. It seems like a really, just like a really pleasant and wholesome way, I guess, of showing your progress throughout the game. It's something, you know, it could have just been a series of puzzles one after the other, but having this in between really just makes you feel like, oh, I somehow by moving series of blocks around it against each other, I've made this place beautiful and I feel good about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a nice sort of tangible result for your puzzle solving. And because it, there's a lot of these puzzle games that I haven't necessarily played, but I've I've seen uh, go around. And one that comes to mind is uh, one that's Adelaide 
uh, made or made by an Adelaide team where we're based uh, from a team called Mighty Kingdom, a uh, thing called Ava's Manor, uh, sort of a, uh, it's a solitaire based game where I think it's a similar sort of concept where in between each, um, each sort of round of solitaire or that sort of stuff, there's a bit of, bit of puzzle, there's a bit of, uh, you know, decorating and, and that sort of thing involved. So I think it is, it is something that is, quite popular in the mobile free-to-play space. And that's where I haven't played Ava's Manor nor the many other games uh, that occupy a similar sort of space, but that's where I do like Simon's Cat because it is one of those Apple Arcade games where not that you can quite see the, the lines where the monetization stuff was ripped out, but sort of uh, you can sort of see where monetization could have gone if it mm. were a, a free-to-play game or like a freemium game on the app store so it's it's nice to be able to play a game like this without the the looming specter of monetization or dlc uh, in the background and i, I yeah. don't think there's yeah I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with uh, monetization or microtransactions because they they can i believe they can be done ethically hmm. but uh, i do know that the uh, the app store or the, the mobile marketplace is uh, is a sort of area where you know sometimes monetization can be you know delving into those gray areas of you know, how much money can be spent in, in the one area. But mobile games are certainly not the only guilty party in, in this course. regard. Of course. I mean, we could, dis- we could go into an entire discussion about capitalism as an entire concept of, you know, wanting to extract as much profit out of people or actions as possible. And I guess, you know, mobile games are sometimes an extension of that. But in that same way, I think it's nice to know that there are games like this where you can, uh, where Apple have made the space so that you can have games like this that don't need to even consider that as a, a means of you know, making the game viable as, as a business sort of proposition. It can just be yeah. a game that's, you know, people will download and play. And for me, I find not having that specter looming, as you put it before, like I just know when as you say, it can be done ethically, it can be done unethically, but it's just nice to know that at no point is this game going to try and tempt me with, you know, a, a nice little bonus thing here or a timer there that tells me I can't play. It's just going to be letting me play at my own pace. And I feel like that kind of adds to the, like the narrative of how, you know, wholesome and building up this community minded thing. It's not a profit driven thing. And yeah, mm. in a kind of meta textual way, it kind of works. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it makes me think and reflect on some years ago, uh, I think, because when I started studying at uni, uh, this is nearly 10 years ago, so I'm having a minor existential crisis coming to that realisation, <laughs> um, is uh, that I can recall Candy Crush at the time was, and, and it still is very, very popular uh, mm. among a lot of people in, who enjoy sort of the more casual game market. Uh, and it's it's a very, very big market at that. Uh, but yes, sort of nearly 10 years ago, I remember it being 
very, very popular. And there was a lot of integration with Facebook and that sort of stuff of, you know, when you oh, ran yes. out of lives, you, you know, sent, you got sent a bunch of invites from friends and that sort of stuff. Oh, oh. help such and such, uh, you know, uh, solve this puzzle, send them extra lives or that sort of stuff. So oh. not even the monetization element, but just sort of the, the social media integration. Mm. Uh, Use your social, your social capital to fuel this game. Oh, I'm yeah, glad we're past which, that stage. <laughs> yeah, which I, you know, and, and that was around the time uh, where, you know, Words with Friends and that sort of stuff was doing similar things, which, you know, it, it's cool to have social integration in a game, but, you know, the, the whole social media element of it, you know, was, you know, particularly designed to try and grow the user base of the game in terms of, yeah. oh, hang on, I've got to get my friends playing this so I can play more. Mm. And, but if I get them to play as well, then it benefits me as well. So, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I bring that up because, you know, being on Apple Arcade, Simon's Cat is devoid of such uh, such cumbersome tactics which is is another nice element <laughs> yes thank goodness i mean we will spread the word in this wholesome podcast method rather than badgering all of our friends with notifications to play it i like to think it's a better way <laughs> yes yes we're we're you know getting you know invading people's uh you know mobile devices who have opted in as opposed to uh those who are um harmlessly existing and getting a bunch of facebook notifications like help with candy crush words with friends clash of clans my farm sort of needs thing. help oh yes oh yes who could forget farmville oh, oh, classic. I, I wish i could <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um but yeah I, I think um going going back to the the actual game elements of simon's cat one of the the elements of the beautification of Simon's backyard and the surrounding nature and land was that uh, th there's not complete a la carte sort of, you know, free reign over the uh, how you develop the space in terms of you know think of um, you know if you think of like Sims build mode where you can mm. you know select however many items on each individual grid space it's not you know to that degree of customization it's sort of okay this specific thing or this specific space needs repairing or restoring uh that when you complete the puzzle or you get the star requirements by completing puzzles to uh to renovate that space mm. it'll give you a few different options to choose from uh like several different designs of cat tree or tree house or bird bath or uh, a particular type of plant bush or rose that sort of thing so while you don't necessarily have you know a huge range of customization over where things go or how you know things are restored mm -hmm. there, there's still a, a little level of personalization that you can still have your own input and you can sort of have some element of yeah, I I chose this thing, so it's it's a little reflection of my personality, or this is this is my taste uh, and that sort of thing. That's so nice. it's a nice little sense of personal ownership over it. It's always appreciated. Yeah, so naturally, most of the things that I selected were very very garish in design. You know, very very <laughs> out there and very uh, you know very flamboyant, which 
perhaps I'm, I'm not so much in real life, so perhaps Simon's cat uh, allowed me to explore that side. So there you go. Look, that's a good thing. You can explore different sides of yourself with Simon's cat story time. They can put that on the back <laughs> of the box. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, yeah, but I, I would absolutely recommend uh, anyone who's keen for you know a match three puzzle game uh, that, you know, give Simon's cat a go. It's you know, the, the puzzle, the puzzles are, are quite uh, quite good. I'm no massive puzzle person, but I felt like they were pretty smartly designed, and I felt challenged as uh, the the game went on. And and yeah, it's just really sweet. And as as we sort of mentioned on the previous episode, you know, I um uh you know recently had my uh, my pet cat pass away, so that was sort of a a bit of a uh, motivation to pick Simon's cat you know, sort of to, you know, have a, a little bit of that, uh, you know, cat, uh, cat time. And I, I certainly felt like it was yeah, time, time well spent, you know, enjoying the, the company of these, uh, very cute digital cats. Uh, so, uh, yeah, would, would yeah. absolutely recommend. And I think it's very well suited to, to younger players as well. And, you know, the fact that there isn't this extra layer of monetization, tied in if if you've got a family apple arcade subscription you can very comfortably let the the young ones loose on simon's cat without fear that um they'll you know inadvertently make a an in-app purchase they shouldn't or uh, pest you to make said in-app purchases so no smurf yeah. berries to be seen not a smurf berry to be seen that is <laughs> exactly right but Tonally, very different to Simon's Cat. Let's mm. go to some more zombie-infested action. What a segue. Uh, I think I've just completed the, the white man podcast trifecta <laughs> by publicly, you know, verbally commenting on said segue. Uh, Look, you've survivals, got to get it out of your system eventually. <laughs> I, I do. I am a white man, so it is in my DNA by nature. Uh, survival Z, uh, as as it's pronounced uh in Australian, but I recognise most of our listeners are in the US. So, for your dialect, Survival Z by <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Ember go, Entertainment. I'm going to go with Survival Z because, yeah, Ember Entertainment are from Seattle in the US. So, I'll just go with the way the artist intended me to, to pronounce the game. <laughs> so It's a regional dialect. Yeah. <laughs> It is. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Survival Z, it is uh, billed as a game that mixes roguelike and tower defense. It's I found it really, really good fun. So it's a game where you play as a survivor who needs to survive against hordes of zombies. They sort of come in waves. You've got to shoot them and you'll have the ability to sort of move your character around to fire at things or set down obstacles and things that you gradually build up over time in order to get further and further into the game and but yeah it's really really interesting in how it does its sort of roguelike and really its tower defensey stuff it so so when you start you have sort of your basic some barricades you'll get a turret uh some i think you unlock barbed wire fairly early on but you'll you'll start in an area it'll show you where the zombies are likely to come from and you can set up all of these barricades objects turrets in to try to funnel them into a particular area or just to do with whatever you want so you can survive when you're ready hit go and the zombies appear and then you you could sort of walk around your character automatically fires at whatever's closest with their equipped weapon uh and yeah you just sort of have to keep doing that as until you get through each of the rounds or or you die 
And yeah, it's it's really cool in that when you complete, so, so when you uh, beat enemies, they will often drop items. So that'll give you something new to put down during the next, like before the next wave. So it might be more turrets, some more barricades. Uh, there's like jams of jar, jams of jar, jars of jam <laughs> uh, that you can put down when they explode. They slow everything around it and they sort of complement the turrets really well so that things can't attack and destroy the turret and it gets a lot of time to get some damage in. And yeah, it's really fun once you get through each of those waves and get to a new level. It gives you a choice of a couple of different upgrades that you can choose from. So that can be things like um, just like damage boosts, critical rates increases, critical damage increases. Or more interestingly, I found is you can choose to have like extra shots. So say every forward shot will shoot twice now or you can fire off to the side behind at a diagonal angle and you can use that in a uh, to really interestingly sort of synergize and complement each other because say for example you're firing a whole pile of shots you can then combine that with an upgrade that lets each of those shots bounce off in environmental objects so you just got all of these shots going everywhere and they're not just hitting the walls they're bouncing back and hopefully hitting a target or and it's something uh, things like the the one that I found quite fun is having shots ricochet off enemies. So they'll hit one and just go to another and combine that with some really fast firing. It makes, you could just melt these enemies. It's really good fun in that way. I don't know if you've ever played a game called Archero. It's, um, it, if you haven't, I really, really recommend it. It does something quite similar in that you get to the end of the level and choose the upgrades and they, I feel like it's quite modelled. This game seems quite modelled off Archero in that way. A lot of the upgrades are sort of not a one-to-one copy, but heavily inspired, let's say. Uh, and that's yeah, makes it really, really good fun. But yeah, uh, once yeah, when there's so much, I'm just gonna gush about this game. I've had so much fun playing it. Uh, when you get to the end of a level, you've got a whole pile of choices. After you've done those upgrades, you'll be taken to a map screen where you can choose from a bunch of different um, branching paths. You might be able to go to an area that's just like another zombie horde. You might be able to go to a, like a salvager guy who will give you some sort of uh, like permanent gear upgrade for later. So that might be a new piece of equipment to put down between waves or a new, a new piece of like body armor or something that you can equip at the end of the run. Uh, You can go to find like a random encounter, which is really interesting. It'll give you a little bit of story around, like uh, you come up to a warehouse. Do you want to go in there and find out what's in there? There's a, a risk reward sort of thing going on there. And it'll tell you, you know, if you go in, you're likely to lose some health, but you might get some new gear. And it, yeah, it creates a really interesting dynamic. I guess you can choose to take that risk for the hopeful reward, or you can just take the safe way through and use it as a way to get closer to the end. Um, there's medical tents. So that's another choice to make. You can, if you need to heal, that's an option to do so. But if you don't think you need to heal, you can also get like another and the similar upgrade to what you would normally get at the end of a level. So it's really nice to get that bonus upgrade. And if you're teetering on the edge of, do I need to heal? Do I not? Do I think I'll be okay? It's like, oh, tempting to get the fire upgrade. And then hopefully that'll be enough to see me through. Uh, gosh, there's other survivors that you can find during the game who you have to protect and they unlock different player skins as you go through. Stop me if I'm going on too much, but there's just so much to talk about with this game and the amount of 
little mini choices that it gives you as you go through and play through the levels, the waves. There's just so much going on and it's presented in a way that's super easy to understand, but super engaging in how you choose to go about each of these these choices and how they have an actual like noticeable effect on how you play from that point forward. Yeah, I, and I'm more than happy to let someone gush about something they love. So <laughs> it's by so all means, exciting. <laughs> yeah, by, by all means. Uh, one one thing I'm curious about with uh, survival uh, survival Z is with with the the progression. So it, it favors this you know this roguelike um, this structure where obviously. Uh, you know, not all of your progress carries over or not, not much of your progress carries over whatsoever. I, I do see, um, that there are, there are some things that you keep permanently. Is that permanently in between runs or, uh, yeah, so with those sort of upgrades I was talking about that you get at the end of the level, those stick with you until the end of the run. So either you get to the end right. like a checkpoint or you die. Uh, but there are those ones that you get at the the salvager who gives you some new gear that you get permanently. Um, and mm-hmm. as, as you kill zombies, you collect coins, and those can be spent on permanent upgrades once you go back to home base as well. So that's things like increasing the effectiveness of your hazards and t- turrets or... Uh, upgrading the the versatility of your uh, like your armor or your weapons and things like that so they those stick with you permanently and it's a really good way of balancing that i feel like roguelikes have to uh, walk a really fine line between do you want to lose everything and have every run be super super critical to whether you go go well or Mm. have some level of feeling like you're making progression uh, so that, you know, when you die, you at least feel like you've done something and next run will be different as a result of what you've done there. And I think there are... I enjoy some games like, say, Spelunky, for example, where you basically almost don't get anything. You lose, you finish a run. It's like, cool, that was a run. I've personally learned how to play a little bit better and now I'll take that into the next round. Mm. But, you know, some people will prefer some sort of tangible something to take into the next round that will make it a little bit easier or give you a new way to play. And I think this game, it strikes a really, really good balance. So it's, you do learn how to play and how to more effectively use all of your items as you play, you know, in a Spelunky sort of way. But as well as that, you can still, your things will get better as you go. So you will be a little bit more likely to get to that next checkpoint. And it's, it's interesting because it uses those checkpoints as a means of story progression as well. So mm. I think it's probably in the game's best interest to help you push through each of those because you'll if your first area will have you know, a series of survivors you can potentially find, a series of um, new equipment you can find, and a it will sort of culminate in a big sort of story element at the end where you'll go to a particular area and there'll be a, a fairly big epic horde with a boss sort of creature. And it's yeah, in the game's benefit to get you to get to those checkpoints because then you start from that point in your future runs so you're not starting from the very start all over again sure Uh, and and yeah it really feeds into that progress because each new area has new people to find new weapons to unlock and just keeps building on what has what's come before 
Yeah, and how long did you find each run went for, whether it be, you know, in between checkpoints or, you know, your your rough sort of play sessions, however you sort of uh, bookmarked them? It really sort of depends. If I did to, uh, horrendously, it can take all of 15 seconds for me to die. It's the Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing with zombie games is, like, if you get into the middle of a horde and in, I guess, most zombie fiction, you're kind of boned at that point. There's not much you can mm. do. But if you're, you know, able to just uh, keep out of the way of the horde and sort of keep them at a distance, it's not ultra difficult. I, You know, the fact that you can die quickly doesn't make it an extremely difficult game. It's just if you get yourself into a into a real pickle, that pickle will kill you. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, as a general sort of idea, I was usually getting about sort of five to ten minutes, probably about ten minutes if it was successful and I got all the way to the end of a particular, like, story stretch. Um, yep. But on average probably, you know, three to five minutes before I die and come back with with a vengeance, you could say. Yeah, you've you've certainly intrigued me, and I think you've definitely sold me on on Survival Z to to give that a crack. And it's on my phone waiting. I just haven't had the <laughs> chance yet. But the 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 thing that intrigues me, and I've I've played a decent amount of roguelikes, mm-hmm. and I know there's sort of a separation between roguelikes with a K and rogue lights with a T, uh, which is such a difficult thing to sort of separate in an audio platform. Yeah, it's really uh, but... not a not a distinction made for podcasts. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, but yeah, we're sort of you know one one favors that yeah more as you say the Spelunky approach where it's pretty well reset start from the start when when you fail you know it's more about trying to complete it all in one go and set a high score or fast time in the process but then there's the other differentiator where it's more about um you know coming up against an almost impossible adversary or whether that be the level, the levels itself or an enemy or that sort of thing that is very, very difficult to beat without upgrades. I mean, speedrunners have found ways to beat Rogue Legacy and that sort of stuff very, oh. very quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- those, th- the, the latter are certainly my favorite in the genre where there's that regular sense of progression. So Rogue Legacy, uh, to a degree, Enter the Gungeon, uh, does it a little bit, um, but most runs still feel pretty fresh. Uh, and then, of course, there was the brilliant Hades uh, in the last year, you know, which exited early access and launched as a fully-fledged thing. And I think while you do upgrade things that make you a little bit stronger each time around, the the big thing for Hades was its drip feed of narrative, which I think that was uh, executed that so brilliantly uh, that, you know, was one of so many things that enamored people with that game, mm. um, you know, in addition to everyone just being ridiculously hot. Uh, but that's... <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, I've seen on Twitter, goodness, people are really thirsty for all those gods. <laughs> Yeah, um, no comment. But the, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I, uh, I severely doubt that Survival Z has the the exact same uh, sort of appeal uh, to that latter comment. But the, um, <laughs> it does, it does sound 
dare I say, you know, it's something that I find uh, you know, attracts me to roguelikes or these sort of games where that if if I do invest a bit of time into it, there will be some form of progression made, whether it be reaching like a story checkpoint or there's the chance that I might acquire a permanent upgrade uh, because I also played Returnal recently on, on PS5, which mm. uh, that's, uh, there's not a lot of, you know, permanent upgrades you acquire so that when you do stumble across them, it feels like a pretty significant thing. So I do, I do like those games where, yeah, there, there is, there is a consistent game loop, but there's always the chance of some form of progress being made. So yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. Is, is there anything else that, um, you know, I, you know, may may have missed there, or is there anything else that's worth mentioning about Survival Z? I think you've pretty well got it. I'll sort of sum up my feelings in sort of the, uh, on this game and roguish sort of games in general. I feel like there there are those two sort of genres. There's the the spelunky kind where when I sit down to play spelunky, I am just like hundred percent focused on the game there is nothing else in the world i go into a state of focus it's just you cannot play that game while you have other things going on and i think that is a fantastic thing i love spelunky to death but that's not the kind of game that i want to play on my phone where i'm typically Mm. you know might have to get up at any moment's notice or i you know it's on a small screen i don't have the same ability to concentrate on that as i do on a tv for example But as a result, because you have that little bit of extra progression, pretty well every time you're going to have something to bring new to the next run, it really can like contributes to wanting to have another go. Every time I stopped Mm. playing, I wanted to play a little bit more and I only really stopped because I had to go back to work because apparently I have to do work to get paid or something like that. So yeah, it's it's such a perfect way of expressing the sort of roguelike sort of structure in a way that works on the mobile platform for me. And I yeah, I had a ball with it. I'm, I feel like this is going to be one of those ones that sticks on my phone long after, long after these episodes are completed. High praise indeed from Stephen there. That's, uh, that's yeah, quite the, uh, quite the motivator for me to check it out. <laughs> that's for sure. But um, there are more games on Apple Arcade, would you believe? Way more games than we will possibly ever cover in our lifetime. But we'll uh, try, damn it. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we will perhaps not die trying. I'm, I'm perhaps <laughs> no. not that committed, uh, but uh, certainly committed to trying more and more games on yeah. this service that continues to surprise and impress in equal measures. But before we round out the episode and reveal what we're playing in the meantime, ahead of the next episode, uh, I will reveal that we do have a bonus episode in the works. Um, not entirely sure when this one might go live. Uh, we'll wait until we've played a decent amount. But uh, playing a well, a game that's on a few platforms, but mobile is one of them. And uh, in the time that I've spent with it, mobile is quite a good platform for it. But we've been checking out Overboard by Inkle, who are behind a bunch of games uh, previously that have been very well suited to mobile, including uh, 80 Days, uh, which is a very, very clever narrative-driven, almost choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing. Uh, and Overboard is a whodunit where you are the murderer trying to get away. 
yeah, where, where you done it. <laughs> so they're asking who done it. You know that you done it. And you got to try and make them think that someone else done it. I don't need to add anything more. I think that was just a beautiful sentence. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm pleased with the words that come out of my mouth. Not often, but that was one of those times. You've done it. That, uh, that being said, that brings us to the end of episode 35. So next time around... What will you be checking out, Stephen? I'll be checking out Cut the Rope Remastered by Paladin Studios out of The Hague in Netherlands. Uh, it's I've, I remember having a lot of fun with Cut the Rope back as, you know, one of, it was one of the early sort of standout hits for iOS gaming just in general. Yeah, had a good time with it back then. I know people have had some some thoughts about the new aesthetic, so I'll give it a try, see what I think about it, and yeah, see if it lives up to how much I remember enjoying this game. Very keen for it. Yeah, and it's had quite the visual overhaul by the looks of things, just looking at some screens. So it'll be interesting revisiting what what is now considered a classic of mobile gaming to see Mm. how it holds up and how we feel about the the new art style as well. Uh, And funnily enough, I said earlier that I don't necessarily play a lot of puzzle games, but uh, (laughs) that's what I'll be doing a fair bit over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try and... Get good at Sudoku with good Sudoku plus the Apple Arcade version uh, of, well, the, the game good Sudoku. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what else to say there, but by Zach Gage and Jack Schlesinger, who, Jack, I'm not sure if that's how I should pronounce your name, but if you happen to be a listener on one occasion, please do correct me if it's wrong. But good Sudoku plus is a Sudoku that loves you. So I'm very intrigued to see what that's all about. Sounds like the Sudoku for me. Indeed. So thank you, everyone, who's tuned in for your time and for checking out these games with us. And we look forward to having your listenership next time around. Thanks. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you had fun and maybe found something useful. If you did enjoy the show, we'd love it if you told a mobile game-loving friend about it or gave us a review in Apple Podcasts. It all helps more people find the show. You can follow the show on Twitter, at MArcadeClub, where we'll talk about games from upcoming episodes, and each of us hosts are happy to chat gaming too. Our handles are in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again next time.